1: be surprised how much millions of dollars are spent in trying to figure out and get a nice fancy temple to make it look holy, but it means absolutely nothing. Meanwhile, you have people who are financially need to put food on the table in their community. We don't put emphasis on the temple because God is not here when you're not here, okay? Paul, he writes to the church in Corinth. He says, God doesn't dwell in temple made by hands, but he dwells in our hearts, It's always in our heart. That's where God dwells now.
0: What a remarkable statement by Pastor Eddie. As humans, we sometimes spend our time and resources doing things that are of no value to God, thinking that He'll be pleased with us. In today's message, Pastor Eddie tells you how God is not pleased when we strive to build a holy place for Him. Instead of building a relationship with Him, God does not need a place, for He dwells in your heart and is ready to guide you through any situation. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, as he begins his message, The Heavenly Sanctuary. I want to run, I want to run, I want to
1: run right to your heart. I want to run, I want to run, run, I'm running the
0: hills.
1: Hebrews chapter 9 gives us... A contrast between the earthly sanctuary and the heavenly sanctuary. The book of Hebrews written by Hebrew for Hebrews. We're going to look at verses 11 through 28. But first we're going to read the passage and then look at it verse by verse. So let us read verses 11 to 28 of Hebrews chapter 9. The writer of Hebrew writes this, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkled, Sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for purification of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your consciousness from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore, not even the first covenant was... Dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and gold with water, scarlet wool, hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places. Made with hands, which are a copy of the true, but without heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entered the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it is appointed for men to die once. But after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. We're going to now look at this verse by verse. For those of you who are taking notes, we're going to look at three sections. We, have, we divide it into three sections in verses 1 through 14. Verses 1 through 14, the heavenly sanctuary. He's going to talk about the heavenly sanctuary in contrast to the earthly sanctuary. Then in verses 15 to 22, the mediator, as uh, a mediator's death is necessary. The death is necessary. And then in verses 23 to 28, greatness of Christ's sacrifice. Well, we read the text. Let's look at it verse by verse. Let's now go back to verse 11 and let's look at it verse by verse and look at it through observation, interpretation, and application. Look at the first word it says, but that's in verse 11, but it, this is the contrast from the earthly sanctuary and the heavenly sanctuary. He's giving us now a contrast, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Even though the Lord gave Moses instruction how to build the tabernacle, gave them exact instructions, um, it still was built by man. Now, in back, that's in back in Exodus chapters 25 to 31, if you want to study that, the Lord gave Moses instruction into building the tabernacle, but also how to build it. But it was made by man, and it was used by earthly things. It was material, earthly material. But Christ came, he's given the contrast, but Christ came as the high priest. And there's a greater and more perfect tabernacle. It is in heaven. That's the difference between the temples here on earth and heaven. Okay? Heaven is not made of earthly things, earthly material things. Okay? And quite often, the church puts so much emphasis on the church building, but not the people. You'd be surprised how much millions of dollars are spent in trying to figure out and get a nice fancy temple to make it look holy, but it means absolutely nothing. Meanwhile, you have people who are financially need to put food on the table in their community. We don't put emphasis on the temple because God is not here when you're not here. Okay, Paul, he writes to the church in Corinth. He says, God doesn't dwell in temple made by hands, but he dwells in our hearts. It's always in our heart. That's where God dwells now. When we're not here, I always say it. God is not here. The only thing that's here, church mice, that's the only thing that's here. You leave, God leaves with you because he's in your heart. We put so much emphasis, oh, it's got to be holy, it's got to be golden chairs. On the, You see that in the TV evangelist? Anyway, let me not go there. But anyway, it's all gold, oh, you know, it's all fancy stuff. Now, don't get me wrong, we might want to be good stewards of what God gives us. We want to take care of the place and where we have fellowship, we're family. In the same way, you would take care of your home, your living room, you would decorate it, you know, because that's where you and your family spend time and live life. We want to be good stewards, but it's not. God doesn't dwell in temple made by hand. But here's the good thing. You know, comparing the earthly tabernacle, the writer's saying that Jesus is in heaven. He is the great high priest. You see, the things that are here is all made of sticks and bricks. Okay? It'll rust. It'll deteriorate. It'll get old. You know, the second law of thermodynamics, things get old, right? I see it in the mirror every day. I know we get old. But not heavenly things. Now, what are the things in heaven made of? We don't know. I think even uh, John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, he saw the vision of the new heaven and a new earth. In chapter twenty-one, gives you the description of the new heaven and the earth, the exterior uh, part of the new heaven and the earth. Chapter twenty-two gives you the interior. But it says that the streets would be made of gold. But it's a gold that's like clear, like water. I never saw gold clear like water. John is trying to describe using earthly things to describe something that's in heaven. It's impossible. But can you imagine? It says it'll be streets of gold. What we use for asphalt, that's what gold is going to be used in heaven. So you can imagine what everything else is made of. Pearly gates, yeah, the gates are made of pearl. So you ever hear that, oh, the pearly gates? Yeah. It says that there are 12 gates around the, the new heaven and the earth, and it's, it's made of pearl. Can you imagine? Things made of precious stones. But I think John was trying to use earthly, he can't describe what's in heaven. That's why I'm really careful about these stories and these books and these movies about people who had this out-of-body experience, went to heaven and came back, you know. The reason why you came back is God kicked you out. I'm not just kidding. Uh, But Paul the Apostle, I'm just kidding. I want to be nice. You know, Paul said, I had this experience, whether it's out of the body, I don't know. But what did Paul say? I considered a crime to describe the things I saw. And he left it at that. And I think that's important because people get all worked up, ooh, you had this out-of-body view. you saw Jesus, you went to heaven, you know, and then they start exaggerating and they start saying things that are not scripture, say, wait a minute, that's not in the Bible, you know, and so it's crazy, so be careful with that. But anyhow, the things of heaven are made out of things from heaven. When we get there, we'll know. Now, let's look at verse 12. It says, not with blood of goats or calves. No, this is the work of the sacrifice the Levitical priesthood did in the Old Testament. It was limited. It says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He, Jesus, Jesus Christ, entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. You see, the priest would go once a year into the Holy of Holies every year. And once he got out of that, once he went into the Holy Holies and he finished what he had to do, he got out. Guess what? The next 364 days, he had to be careful with how he lived his life. But he's going to sin anyway. But he has to do it over and again. But Jesus Christ, when he died, he atoned for the sins of the world with the blood of Christ. It's once and for all. And it's redemption that's eternal. Look at the two last words at the end of verse 12. It says, eternal Redemption is not temporary. It's not once a year. When we come to Christ, we repented of our sins. We're born again through the blood of Jesus. It's not only one time. Well, it's one time you need to do it, but it's not only for one day. It's eternal. It's every day. It's forever. You're redeemed. That's it. And that's the difference between Christ being the great high priest in the heavenly tabernacle than the high priest in the earthly tabernacle, once and for all. Sacrifice never has to be repeated. And saints, because Christ is perfect, redemption is perfect, and redemption is eternal, is not temporal, is not once a year, it's eternal. And I think we need to think and ponder that. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're born again, you're saved, you have been redeemed. It's once and for all, once and for all. Now look at verse 13, it says, for if the blood of bulls and goats, that's the animals that only covered sin. The Old Testament sacrifice of bulls and goats, that only covered the sin and never took away. But he said, but if, or if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for.'" The purification of the flesh. What is that? What are we talking about? The ashes of a heifer. Well, let me tell you what it's all about. Okay, that's why we're here. We're here to learn. It's under the old system, the old law. It's called the law of purification. The law of purification. That's found in Numbers chapter 19 in the Old Testament. And what happens is if a person were to bump into a corpse, a dead body, a touch a dead body, right? They are considered ceremonial unclean. So for the Jews, they wouldn't touch a dead body. They'll be ceremonial unclean for seven days. Seven days. What would they do? Well, they would go to the priest. The priest would then mix the ashes of a heifer in Numbers chapter 19, it says a red heifer, a red heifer and with sprinkled water and they would sprinkle it on the... Person that wants to be ceremonial clean every third day and on the seventh day. And so they would be considered clean. So he's pointing out some of the rituals that they did was only temporary. What good is cleaning the outside when the inside is corrupt? That's the important thing. This ceremonial ritual only clean the person the outside. Now, I don't know if you mix, don't go home and burn a heifer or a cow. They're going to say, hey, Carrie Chad was in some crazy practice. No. I don't know if it made soap between you know, the ashes of water, whatever it did, but it was a ritual. It was something that God instructed him to do at that time because it's to point to Jesus. That's the reason. And so it would make them ceremonially clean. But here's the reality. The heart is still corrupt. The heart is still corrupt. And can I tell you, rituals like that, God did it for a purpose, to point to Jesus. It was there for a time and a time only. But we do have people today that they feel that they need to be clean in how they dress and all the outward. But meanwhile, you know, they could wear a three-piece suit, you know, they could, they could bathe themselves in ivory soap, which is 100% soap, right? Ivory is the clean, right? It's no fragrance, you know? And guess what? Their heart is corrupt. Their heart is corrupt. We use that terminology, don't judge a book by its cover. Well, you know, you can't tell a book <laughs> unless you read it, right? And, you know, people get all caught up with religion. Oh, I got to dress holy. What does holy look like? You know, you go to, um, to the Middle East. People dress like long robes. Are they holy? I don't know. You know, you can dress holy as you want. Meanwhile, that's what Jesus told the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they dressed holy, you know. They dressed holy. Jesus said, hey, you know, you look holy. I'm kind of paraphrasing here. You look holy. But meanwhile, inside, you're dead bones and you stink. You're like whitewashed tombs. And so, so many religions, and even people that are not religious, they look, oh, I got to judge a person by looking. Yeah, really? Okay, you try doing that. And so, that only cleaned it from the outside. What if they touch the corpse again? But it doesn't matter. Let's look at verse 14. It says, how much more shall the blood of Christ? So, he's comparing this ritual to the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, offered himself without spot to God. Jesus was perfect. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Only God could cleanse us. Only the blood of Christ can cleanse you. Only the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Christ that purifies us, that cleanses our conscience. I don't know about you, before you met the Lord Jesus Christ, But I've come across a lot of people that before they were born again, they were saved, that they lived with a lot of baggage, things they couldn't let go because it's scars, it's painful, or guilt, or shame. But it is Jesus Christ that could take that away from you. It is the blood of God of Christ the conscience all that the guilt and you're set free from guilt from shame and from blame therefore you can stand before God righteous because of the blood of Jesus and you can serve the living God Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 Paul writes this to the church of Ephesus in him we have redemption how through his blood Jesus Christ the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace you know, while we're in the topic of blood, it is sad that there are a lot of preachers and teachers and churches that are not even preaching or talking about the blood. The blood. Oh, don't talk about the blood. It's offensive. I want to talk about the 10 steps to better you. There's nothing good about you. Okay. I'm sorry. We're all sinful, wretched sinners. We are only righteous because of Jesus. You see. But we need the blood. The blood is offensive. I suggest if one thinks that they can't talk about the blood, you can't preach or teach about it, but find another calling. Because everything about the Bible, everything about God is blood. We're saved by blood. We have blood in us. And it's by the blood of Christ that we have eternal life. But that's why Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. I can imagine some people you know, reading the Gospels. When you read Jesus, I did not come to bring peace. Really? I came to bring a sword. It's not a sword for battle. It's to divide those who will hear the truth and those who reject the truth. Because the gospel and the blood of Jesus Christ is offensive. That's why he's not being preached in church today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, that's you and I, we are being saved. It is the power of God. That's why Paul wrote to the church in Rome in Romans chapter one, verse 16. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes it is the power of Jesus Christ. It is the blood of Christ. We're going to talk more about the blood. Let's look at verse 15. It says, and for this reason, he speaking of Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. How? By means of death. For redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called as you and I, believers in Christ, may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Out with the old, in with the new. Okay? The old covenant was do this to live. The new covenant is obey and live. Okay? Okay? The old covenant was law, do this, do that, over 613 laws. We know the Ten Commandments, the 613, right? 248 do's and 365 don'ts. Try to follow that. We can't follow the first one. That should have no other God before me. But because of Christ, we're not subject to that. The law was never meant to be fulfilled. The law was there to show you how sinful you are and how holy God is. But Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And it is through him now that we're saved, you see. And it is because of Christ. But here, there's two things in verse 15 that you may have not seen. We don't want to, you know, just run by this. But there are two things. There, we receive two gifts here in verse 15. First, redemption. Because of Christ, we have been redeemed on, from the sins committed with the law, the first covenant. Secondly, Inheritance we have an eternal inheritance. You see, the Israelites, they had an earthly inheritance. It was all temporal. It was temporary. But through Jesus Christ the Messiah, Jesus, we have an inheritance that's what? Eternal. There is a difference. You see, this is what the writer of Hebrews trying to tell him. This is why you want to go back to Judaism. Why? Jesus Christ is Jewish. <laughs> He's a Jewish Messiah. Jesus already came. All those prophecies, over 300 Messianic prophecies that we read in the Old Testament, Jesus fulfilled them all. We have them. He came. He died on the cross. He rose again. He's in heaven. Why do you want to go back to the temple? That was all temporary. Why do you want to go back? Shame, you know, they are Christians, Gentile Christians, who want to go back to legalism, rules and rituals. It's all by the grace of God. Verse 16 and 17, he says, for where there is a testament... There must also of necessity be the death of a testator. Verse 17, for a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator is alive. It lives. So the testament here, the word testament, is the same word as covenant, but in the context here in the Greek, it's referring to what we call a will. A will. What good is a will if the person is still alive? Okay, now if you're on somebody's will, don't do anything crazy, okay? But it's of no value if the person is still alive. The will has no effect if the testator is still alive. It means nothing, it has no power. And this is the picture the writer of Hebrews is trying to give here. Jesus is that mediator. There is a testament, a covenant, a will, if you will, okay? And Jesus is the one who's the testator. Once he dies, that new covenant, you benefit from, you see, You benefit It gives us a picture The covenant is in full effect Because Jesus died on the cross The new covenant Spoken of in Jeremiah 31 God prophesied There would be a new covenant You see And So when a person dies Right In order for the will To take effect What do you need A death certificate Right Jesus We didn't have a death certificate But the cross Is the receipt The cross Is the proof That Jesus died So the will is in effect now And the empty grave Is the receipt of his resurrection.
0: Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is leading us through a study of Hebrews. The series is called Jesus is Better, and you might be getting a clearer picture of the supremacy of Christ. Jesus represented everything in the Old Testament and fulfilled it so wonderfully. Maybe as you're listening today, you're just now realizing all the different ways that Jesus proved to be the Messiah, to be the one that had been promised and prophesied about. Through these scriptures, you're coming to a better understanding of the love, the grace, the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to be for you. It's humbling, isn't it? May these teachings continue to bring you closer to the Lord as you see His heart for you. Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to RunningTheRaceRadio.com. Once more, that's RunningTheRaceRadio.com. When you get there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We'd love to invite you to come and join us on Sunday mornings. And for those of you who live further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. That's at runningtheraceradio.com. Well, thanks for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together. We will be back again next time, right here on Running the Race. See you then.